Today on Restoration Family, we're going to discuss a number of issues that are essential in what I would refer to as the recovery process. And it is a process because it takes time and it takes a lot of things that we're going to actually do. One of the main reasons why I've seen a lot of people relapsing over and over again and not getting better is because they're not doing what recovery actually is. And one of the main components of recovery is honesty and telling the truth. So one of the things we see in counseling, therapy, biblical counseling also is there's a lot of defense mechanisms, which you could even refer to as a type of lie. Uh, Defense mechanisms, their main purpose is they deny and distort reality. And that's what false belief systems do. And that's what lies do. When you see this denial or distortion of reality, there's some things that we can't really change unless we acknowledge something from the beginning. That's one of your principles is you can't change what you won't acknowledge. Denial certainly is a pushing away of reality and truth. Then you also see another defense mechanism is projection. You may have seen this in just everyday life. People are pushing onto you what they're actually thinking and believing instead of taking ownership themselves. Another thing you'll see oftentimes when you're in a system of denial or maybe depression or fear and anxiety or addiction, you'll see a minimization, meaning you're making the problem a lot smaller than it is. You're not acknowledging that you do have a problem or you might be blaming it on somebody else. Another defense mechanism, which isn't to such an extent, is called suppression. And you're pushing the truth and the reality of your situation out of awareness. One of the problems with suppression and even depression and denial is you have to push things away from your mind and your belief systems that are actually in your awareness. And that takes a lot of work. So we see a lot of people expending a lot of energy, time, and effort pushing things out of their awareness because they don't want to acknowledge it. So there's a bunch of biblical principles also about truth. We know that the truth setting us free. Another key issue in the recovery process is we need to ask for help. This has to do with our surrender in the first steps of recovery in AA and NA is you're asking for help because you're acknowledging that you can't control this behavior anymore. And that could go for anxiety disorders, depression, but certainly for addictions. One of the understandings that we have is when we surrender, then we start to have power over some of these problems, the hangups and the habits and the issues that have become uncontrollable in our life. One of the things we also see is that we're admitting that our program is not working or my way into healing and recovery isn't working also. This has a lot to do with pride and we want to focus on our humility where we ask for help. Also, we ask for forgiveness and we forgive ourselves and we forgive other people. One of the main causes for relapse over and over again is negative emotional states. So we know that sometimes this goes hand in hand with unforgiveness not just for other people, but also for ourselves. Another thing with truth that we see that holds people in bondage is lies. 
These can be considered distortions of our thinking and our belief systems, but also just spiritual warfare, different types of lies. They're core belief systems that we've developed over life as learned behavior, but also internalized just being as human beings. And some of these common belief systems will feed into our depression, our fear, and our addictions. There's different types of lies. One set of lies has often been referred to as projected lies. And this might be something we learned in life if we were in a dysfunctional or pathological family where a projected lie might be, well, you're not worth anything or you're never going to amount to much. Another internalized lie might be a belief that we tell ourselves is you tell yourself that I'm damaged goods or I don't deserve any more than what I'm getting. And there's a whole bunch of these belief systems that I'm going to get into in later studies. But for now, we just want to know that a big part of healing and restoring our lives and our recovery process is we have to correct these beliefs that are distorted and they're also referred to as belief systems that are lies. These early developmental belief systems are founded from birth on through our developmental stages of life. Eric Erickson talked a lot about these and some of these early stages you're going to see from the beginning of life to maybe 18 months, you're looking at trust versus mistrust. Now, if you learn that you can't trust people as an infant, you're not going to say, oh, I can't trust people. I can't believe in other people. But there are certain things that you internalize. And some of these belief systems that are internalized into our being as core belief systems is if I can't trust people, if I'm not safe, if they don't treat me with value and respect and care, then I'm not a valuable human being. And that gets internalized very early in life. Also, you will see that your needs are not met. So you might teach yourself that it's not okay to have needs because people are not going to meet them anyways. Also, you would start to internalize that people are not safe and are not trustworthy because they can't care for you. They haven't done so in the past. And this is most often learned early in your family system of origin, where your belief systems develop early, particularly with these stages of safety and trust versus mistrust. So we see in that early stage, if you can't trust people, it also sends a message that you're not worth a lot. Another stage that goes on is autonomy versus shame and doubt, according to Eric Erickson. So autonomy would be, you know, I have uh, the authority and power to do things in life, or I would develop a stage of shame and doubt. I'm, I'm no good. I can't accomplish these tasks. As we move on down the developmental stages, we see initiative versus guilt. A lot of this has to do with I can do things. I am competent. I can accomplish things. I have gifts and abilities versus I'm not going to try things. I feel guilty if I do. And also I'm inferior and I'm incompetent. Later on in life, in the later stages after adolescence or during those stages, we see identity versus role confusion. There's a lot of attacks going on in this world now where people are being attacked at their core of their identity, meaning who I am as a male, who I am as a female, who I am as a person. And a lot of these roles are being questioned 
And in some ways, that could be good. We have to learn some new things where we uh, treat other people with love and respect and do unto others. But there's some core belief systems and core identity facts that are being attacked in our culture as right now. So with this intimacy versus isolation, you don't want to go through life being alone. A lot of people learn that relationships are very difficult and painful, so they move into a stage where they avoid these types of relationships and they don't seek out them because it's painful and difficult. Later on in life, we can move toward generativity versus stagnation. The generativity is usually older in life. You might be in your 60s or so, and you're, you want to give back. You might even do that earlier in life, but you're giving back to society, to younger people, to the culture, because you're thankful for what you've been given. If you don't develop that type of critical stage identity, then you can move into stagnation. Moving along to the later stages and the last stage of Eric Erickson's critical stages of life, and there's eight stages, is integrity versus despair. This is when you're looking back over your life, and if you have given back and you have developed industry, being good at things, a giving back, generativity, also you have a healthy sense of self and identity and autonomy, and you trust people, and you have good and healthy relationships, you have this state of wisdom and fulfillment instead of a state of despair. A lot of people get into this age or time of life where they want to go back and do things right because they didn't do them right in the beginning and they want to change things and it's too late because they're too old and their life is getting toward their end days and that's where the despair can set in. So we see this a lot when people have not had the fulfillment in life that they really, really needed to have because they didn't meet these critical stages and accomplish these tasks. So for a review now, in when you're looking at recovery, truth is essential in so many ways because if we're not living in the truth, we're living in some type of defense mechanism and denial and also projection, minimization might be suppression. Also, you don't get to be a real person. Here's another defense mechanism referred to as reaction formation where you're developing emotional states and a way of being that isn't real because you built a facade onto something that you're not really. And this is often seen as our public self or our social self, which is much different than who we really are as people. When we look at recovery, I'm looking at the truth. We know that the Bible tells us that the truth sets us free. And we want to acknowledge in recovery that we have to surrender and acknowledge that my program is not working. I am not able to heal myself, surrender to God as we know him. This develops a sense of humility. We have to ask for help and we have to be accountable to other people. That's why we seek out a sponsor or a mentor. Another thing in the reference of truth is we're asking for forgiveness because we've made a lot of mistakes in life. And I know a lot of people beat themselves up in life about things that they've done. I know I've had these thoughts come back to me over and over again 
about things I've done a long time ago in life, and it still bothers me, but I have to learn that God has forgiven me and also internalize that into my heart, not just know it as a fact. But we want to be, forgive other people and forgive ourselves. The number one reason why people relapse over and over again is because of negative emotional states. This would have to do with resentments, anger, could even be hatred, unforgiveness. So you do not want to carry these emotional baggage and woundedness throughout your life because this will lead you into a lot of very dark, bad places. That's why we have to embrace forgiveness of ourselves and others and embrace and receive God's forgiveness, his grace that he's given us. Also, we look at the defense mechanisms and we want to exchange them for the fruits of the spirit. Instead of having denial, rejection, minimization, projecting on other people, the fruits of the spirit talk about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. One of the key issues in recovery is we have to learn how to have joy and peace and do what this process is referred to as returning to joy. One of the things that happens to us when we're doing drugs, alcohol, or anger and conflict is we lose our state of joy and peace. And in our mind, if we've lost this, it's hard to move on into healing and restoration because we have to learn how to return to joy from a lot of different negative emotional states. One of the things we can do is realize what God says about us. If we look at Ephesians 2.10, where we see that we were created for good works in Christ Jesus from the beginning of time. Also, another thing you can do with a counseling technique is we can act as if. And acting as if means maybe I wake up today and I, and I realize and I internalize and place in my heart that God has forgiven me. He's gifted me, given me abilities, joy, peace, and these fruits of the Spirit. So I'm going to go out and I'm going to act like this because I'm not going to be depressed. I'm not going to be negative with that my sense of self is damaged. Other people are hard to trust and I can't change. Instead of that, I'm going to believe what God says about me, know his word and trust him and move in faith. And I'm going to act as if I'm blessed and I'm been gifted and I have abundant, joyful life planned for me. And I move out in faith and that will attract people and actually, it'll set up a self-fulfilling prophecy where you start to create these scenarios with other people that are full of blessing and joy and peace and the fruits of the Spirit. We also see people would do unto others as they would have them do unto us. Another biblical principle is serve one another in love. And these will open a lot of doors. There's also in counseling theory, there's a miracle question. If a miracle happened today and God created a life for me that I've always wanted and would love to have, what would my life look like when I woke up in the morning? And that's what you want to believe and trust and move forward in is look at this miracle question and believe that God's done that miracle for me and then move in that type of faith and have an expectation that this is going to happen and you will create a new type of wisdom, 
a new type of life that has these promises being fulfilled. So I will see you in my next lesson. We're going to talk about relapse prevention. But today, take some of these steps about recovery and healing where you can live them out and act not just in a belief system, but you do what recovery and healing actually is all about because that's what we've been promised from God's gifts and his abilities. I will see you in our next episode on relapse prevention, but check out the show notes, which will be the episode description, and I'll have links and a bunch of resources that you can locate the materials that we talked about in this lesson today on recovery.